to the Wagner Ministries International Podcast. As you listen to this message, our prayer is that you would be motivated and empowered to follow Christ and lead others to Him. Enjoy. God bless you, my friends. This is evangelist Kevin Wagner, founder of Wagner Ministries International, welcoming you to our podcast today. Last podcast, John Mark deserted. If you've left something God's called you to too soon, confess it and ask God for another chance like Mark did. In this podcast, Paul and Barnabas go on and travel north through the mountains. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 13 verses 14 to 52. But Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. On the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue for the services. After the usual readings from the books of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. So Paul stood up, lifted his hand to quiet them, and started speaking. Men of Israel, he said, and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. The God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. Then, with a powerful arm, he led them out of their slavery. He put up with them through forty years of wandering in the wilderness. Then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to Israel as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After that, God gave them judges to rule until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people begged for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for forty years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And it is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. Before he came, John the Baptist preached that all the people of Israel needed to repent of their sins and turn to God and be baptized. As John was finishing his ministry, he asked, do you think I am the Messiah? No, I am not. But he is coming soon, and I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the sandals on his feet. Brothers, you sons of Abraham and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. The people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as the one the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned him. And in doing this, they fulfilled the prophet's words that are read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. When they had done all that the prophecies said about him, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and over a period of many days he appeared to those who had gone with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to the people of Israel. And now we are here to bring you this good news. The promise was made to our ancestors, and God has now fulfilled it for us, their descendants, by raising Jesus. This is what the second psalm says about Jesus. You are my son. Today I have become your father. For God had promised to raise him from the dead, not leaving him to rot in the grave. He said, I will give you the sacred blessings I promised to David. Another psalm explains it more fully. You will not allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. 
This is not a reference to David, for after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. No, it was a reference to someone else, someone whom God raised and whose body did not decay. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. Be careful. Don't let the prophet's words apply to you, for they said, Look, you mockers, be amazed and die, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous, so they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have rejected it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and thanked the Lord for his message, and all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium, and the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. My friends, I know that that was a long Bible passage, but I felt it was important for me to read it all to you to get the context of what I'm talking about today. Isn't it funny, you know, how the leaders of the synagogue that Paul had been preaching in didn't get what they expected that day. God had different plans. Have you ever expected one thing and received something else? Paul preached his first recorded sermon in the Bible, and the people liked what they heard. Verses 42 says, As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. Whenever you talk about God's truth, be ready for a response, because there are usually willing and eager people God has placed there to receive the message favorably. The next week, Paul and Barnabas came back, but the leaders were ready. Verses 44 and 45 say, The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. How did Paul respond to the opposition? Well, my friends, he just laid the truth on the line. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews, but since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. You see, God has a soft spot in his heart for the Jewish people. 
So they had the first chance to accept Jesus. But God also has a soft spot for every man and woman. And so Paul and Barnabas branched out to the Gentiles to expand God's kingdom. There's an important principle in this. When Jesus commands us in the Great Commission to preach the gospel to every person, he does this so they will have the chance to repent and be saved. Not everyone will, but Jesus wants everyone to at least have the chance as they did here. This should be one of our great motivators for evangelism and world missions. The Bible says that under the Holy Spirit's anointing, God used Paul and Barnabas to do great things there. The Bible puts it this way. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. But like we might expect, serious spiritual warfare begins to set in. Mark this carefully, friends. Whenever God begins to win victories in individual lives, in families, in churches, in communities, and in nations, Satan will do his best to turn the tide, as he does here in verse 50. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. Satan may be on his way to defeat, but he's not going down without a struggle. So be encouraged. In your own lives, when you begin encountering opposition because of your stand for Jesus Christ and God's truth, just realize that's because God is using you, and Satan doesn't like it, so he's turning up the heat. But don't give up. Persevere, because Jesus has won the victory, and he'll keep leading you into victory if you keep pressing forward with him. The time in your life when you should be most worried is when you're not receiving any opposition since that's often an indicator that you're not doing anything to upset Satan. But Paul and Barnabas were doing something. In fact, lots of something, and it upset Satan. And how did they react to this opposition? Well, they did just what Jesus told them and us to do in situations like that. They shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. My friends, Paul and Barnabas didn't let the opposition get them down, demoralize or deflate them. Rather, they just encouraged the people who were hungry for the Lord and left the rest to the grace of God, moving on to a new place where God would have them go. Now, this shaking the dust off their feet may sound like an easy thing to do on paper, but obviously it wasn't. In fact, this opposition and persecution in Antioch left a permanent and lasting impression on Paul. Paul experienced a lot of abuse and opposition to the gospel in his life, but when his life was drawing to a close, what events were burned and seared into his memory as a painful reminder of days gone by? It was the events we read about right here, today. We see this in 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 and 11. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. My friends, these were tough times for Paul and Barnabas. 
but by obeying Jesus' commands to preach the truth and leave the results to the Holy Spirit, they were able to keep pushing forward. And so it will be in our lives too. Don't let negative experiences and negative people sap your zeal and excitement for the Lord. If it does, Satan has won a strong victory in your life. Instead, follow Jesus' commands and Paul's example and shake the dust off your feet from those experiences and memories in your Antioch and keep pressing forward to the victories that God has prepared for you in your Iconium. I've seen too many well-meaning Christians over the years derailed in their service for the Lord because they've never shaken the dust of past defeats, opposition, and memories off from their feet and have chosen to live fruitless lives in Antioch rather than move on to fruitfully touch other lives that Jesus wants them to touch. I don't want to see this happen to you. And what of the new Christians that Paul and Barnabas left in Antioch? Well, the Bible says that after they left, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> as hard as it was, they entrusted those new believers to the Lord's care, and God was faithful. The Holy Spirit took care of them. It's like leaving your kids at school or college, or leaving new believers after a mission trip. But we have to do this. We're only human. We can't be everywhere at once. And there are only 24 hours in a day to devote to building up others in the Lord. So the best we can do as humans is to give these precious souls over to someone who isn't human, who can be everywhere at once, and for whom time isn't a factor, the Holy Spirit. And then we have to trust God's promises that He will care for them and fill them with joy, just as he did here in Acts 13. I feel led to spend the rest of our life, our time together today on something very important that first century Paul can teach us. It's something that will have great practical implications and effects in our day-to-day -day living. There's a story about a man who wanted to train his mule the first thing he did was to pick up a big stick and hit the mule with a resounding wallop between the ears. As the mule staggered about, someone said to the owner, What is the matter? Where did you get? Why did you do that? And the owner said, In order to teach a mule, you must first get his attention. <laughs> well, that may not be true of mules, but there is a good deal of truth in it when dealing with humans. For any communication to be effective, interest must first be awakened. Paul knew how to effectively communicate Jesus to the people of his day, and we need to learn from him how to do the same if we are to effectively reach people today for Jesus Christ. Time and again, as we follow Paul through Acts, we find that Paul custom-delivered his words to the different people with whom he was talking. Here in Acts 13, to Jewish people, he built bridges to their hearts by communicating what was near and dear to them, the story of their people's history. And it worked. It opened many of them up to Jesus and salvation. Later on in Acts 17, Paul is speaking to Greeks in Athens, and his words are very different, appealing to where the Greeks of his day were at, but they had the same message, and many people accepted Christ there too. The point is, 
Paul knew and lived an essential spiritual truth. We've got to communicate to people with a message they're going to understand. This means more than just being contemporary. This means knowing the person or the group of people to whom we want to communicate God's plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. The reason I say this means more than simply being modern uh, and contemporary in our words and message is that some people today aren't used to contemporary methods. And for these people, the approaches to evangelism that were used decades ago may still work best. However, the majority of people in our culture today are products of our culture, and they're conditioned to respond to contemporary forms of conviction. If it seems painfully obvious, it seems painfully obvious, but it needs repeating. We need to communicate to this generation of souls in a language that they can understand and relate to if we're going to have a serious impact for Christ in this generation. Now, most Christians, churches, and denominations, when asked the question, do you want to be relevant to, to, to today's generation, will answer a resounding yes. Those that don't are usually partially fossilized already. And so, in an attempt to be relevant to today's culture, churches have tried two basic approaches. The first approach is to recognize that values, morals, and basic worldviews have changed for a lot of people in this generation. Because of this, to keep up-to-date and relevant, these churches have revised their beliefs and changed doctrine to follow society's lead. They've also rationalized away the parts of the Bible that would contradict those changes. So they've changed the message, but strangely, most of these churches have kept their preaching medium, that is the way the message is presented or communicated, the same. The same songs are sung. The same form of service is used. The same methods are still being used by and large from previous generations, but the message has been changed in an attempt to keep relevant to our culture. Now, the second approach is the exact opposite. These churches realize that culture and times may change, but the Bible's message and truth does not. While the message stays the same, the way it is presented, the medium, the methods, well, they do change. These churches are intent on using the language, media, and methods of today's culture to communicate Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so they have new songs, new styles of worship, new methods of ministry, but the message of God's truth is the same. So there are two approaches to staying relevant. One, change the message and keep the methods the same. Or two, keep the same message, but change the methods, the medium. Which works best? Well, you be the judge. Almost invariably, when the first approach is used, stagnation and decline results. When the second approach is followed, there is growth with God's blessing. But more important than what works is which approach is God's way. Well, again, you be the judge. Which approach did Paul use? Paul's message was the same wherever he went. Jesus Christ and him crucified repent and believe the gospel. But the way he communicated this timeless message, the types of bridges he built to the hearts of his audience, 
Well, those things changed whenever his audience did. Friends, if we're going to be effective in these last days as individual Christians and as churches in reaching this generation for Christ, we need to know enough about the people and the culture we're trying to reach for Christ to communicate in a way and through a medium that they can understand. We have to be adaptable to be fruitful, changing our approach as the people we are approaching also change. We need to be constantly asking ourselves the same question Paul and Barnabas must have asked themselves over and over again. Are we effectively communicating Jesus Christ to our culture and our community today? And how could we be doing a better job at this? Friends, churches that are committed to asking themselves questions like that are churches that are well prepared to face the changing world. They are churches that are prepared to lead culture instead of merely following it. And more importantly, they are churches that God will be able to use fruitfully for years to come to advance his kingdom because they are churches committed to advancing the kingdom not ones content to bask in past victories from a previous generation. Friends, these are the types of Christians, the type of church that the Lord wants and that a lost world needs in these last days. Will you be that type of Christian? Will you commit yourself to help build that kind of church? As always, my friends, I look so forward to our next podcast where we will move further into the book of Acts as the Holy Spirit uses His Word to help us walk daily in the power of God. Have a blessed day in Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. For more information regarding Wagner Ministries International, go to wagnerministries.org. And if you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at wagnerministries.org. God bless. Thank you.